Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So my cousin moved back into town a little over a year ago. I want to say maybe April or June of 2018. She has three kids, and the youngest is a five-year-old girl. After they had moved into their new place and were finally settled in after a few weeks, I went to visit along with some other family members. We had an overall good time, a lot of good food and whatnot, and after dinner, I remember my little cousin, who was four at that time, wanted to play that cootie game. It was in her room upstairs and she needed someone to go with her because she was afraid of something. I put it up to her being in a new environment and still getting used to the house. So, naturally, as an adult, I prepared to fight off any escaped Monsters Inc. characters so she could get her game. We got to her room and she refused to even set foot in it. And I asked something along the lines of, is there a bad thing in here? She nodded and pointed to the game and I went to grab it. And then she told me to be careful in that corner of her room. I asked why and she says, that's where the screaming lady is. She's on fire and screaming a lot. I don't like her. Hearing this makes my heart drop into my gut like a lead anvil. I quickly grabbed the game and we just went downstairs at that point. As soon as we were back in the living room, my cousin returned to her normal cheery self and we played some cootie. Later on that night, I asked her mother, my first cousin, if she knew about this screaming lady that her daughter told me about. She said that her daughter refused to sleep in her room until they make the lady go away and has come to sleep in her parents' bed just about every night since they moved in. No one else has had any weird experiences in the house since moving in, but this four-year-old girl is beyond terrified on a nightly basis. Well, 
A month or so passes and I don't really hear much more about any spooky experiences, so I eventually come to the conclusion that my cousin was simply having very specific reoccurring night terrors or something like that. Cut to yesterday evening though. It was the birthday for another one of my cousin's kids, so I stopped over to bring him the new Fire Emblem game for the Nintendo Switch. I usually stop over a few times a week to hang out since it's not far from my workplace. So today, being my cousin's birthday, didn't make my stopping over a rare occurrence or anything like that. We ended up playing some of it. We played some Mario Kart and played some Super Smash Bros. And everything just went pretty well. That is, until later on in the evening. We were waiting for a pizza to arrive and I was in the kitchen grabbing some soda with my cousin, whose birthday it was. When out of nowhere, we both pick up on the very distant smell of burning. My cousin and her husband came out of the living room in the kitchen, thinking that we had cooked and burned something, but obviously we hadn't. And the house just filled up with this smell, and if I were blind, I would have guessed that I was right next to a massive bonfire, minus the heat. During this time, my youngest cousin, now five, was taking a nap on the couch in the living room. She suddenly starts yelling for her mum, who goes in to check on her. Everyone else follows and she's inconsolably crying and screaming saying, I can hear the screaming lady in my room, I hear her screaming. So basically, everyone had that same lead anvil heart dropping in the gut moment that I had last year. We went up to her room with her mum staying with her, but when we got there, we saw nothing. But the smell of burning had changed from that of a bonfire to only what I can guess a person smells like when they burn. A heavy waft of just burning hair smell, followed by some other burning smell that I honestly hadn't experienced in my entire life thus far. We quickly went back downstairs and told her mother what we had experienced, and she decided for us to all go outside to the front porch or patio area until the pizza arrived. My little cousin was still hysterical, saying that she didn't want to hear the lady screaming anymore. We tried to calm her and eventually she seemed to settle down a bit, still scared but not screaming and crying anymore. We continued to sit there for maybe 10 minutes. My two other younger cousins and I were comparing our Pokemon Go collections and my youngest cousin and her parents were watching some kid-friendly YouTube stuff to distract her. When out of nowhere... Everyone hears the most blood-curdling, terrifying, and loud scream come from inside of the house's second floor. It must have lasted for maybe 15 or so seconds straight, just multiple long, horrible screams. And after that moment, everything just went dead quiet. My five-year-old cousin went back to throwing a fit, and everyone else was visibly shaken. I decided that it was time to leave at that point. It was about 9.30pm and while pizza would have been very tempting, I was not hungry in the slightest anymore after that. I thanked them for ordering a pizza, even though I wasn't going to have any, and they wholeheartedly understood. I wished my other cousin a happy birthday and told him not to spoil the new Fire Emblem game for me and I just went home. I couldn't sleep at all last night though and I didn't even turn off my light. I was a tired mess at work today and I'm still fearful of going to bed tonight. I texted my cousin a few times today and this evening too and she said that the burning smell didn't go away until around 4am and no one slept there last night either and are looking into getting some kind of help so that they can feel less terrified about their home. 
I feel terrible for them, honestly, and worse for my young cousin, who has been actually seeing this screaming lady in her bedroom. And I haven't been able to get the smells coming from her room out of my head. I also have been getting hints of them on and off as my day has gone on, and I'm hoping that it's just a residual smell memory and not something more ominous. I still don't think I want to try and sleep tonight, especially not with the light off. It was just such a crazy and scary experience and I knew that I needed to share it with you guys. I have never experienced something like this in my life ever. I've had some spooky things happen over the years in the homes that I've lived in, sure, and maybe a few weird things in another family member's home or a friend's place or whatever, but nothing to the point where I've been this terrified. I really hope my cousin and her family can figure out the situation and make their home somewhere that they feel safe again. Do you guys have any advice that I could give them in order to guide them along the correct path in seeking help? Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Have you ever felt like someone was watching you? Or worse, have you ever not expected someone to be a spirit as you've just seen them in plain sight? Well, this story starts basically since I was 11 and lasts through the years till I was about 20 or 21. Of course, not completely consistent, but I think there were multiple spirits, as I believe my apartment was just a catalyst for energy. I lived across from a graveyard, so it was no shock that I saw things when I was still a kid. The first memory I have was when I was 11. Life was okay, but plenty of trauma had happened a couple of years prior, so I was vulnerable and open-minded as I wanted to escape my reality. But little did I know that these people or spirits would not be shy with me at all. Some of them were of being attacked to somewhere I was being violent or witnessing a murder. I was so young too that I didn't really think of it as just dreams. But anyway, my first memory was when my mum's boyfriend had stayed the night. I was so excited because I felt protected and I didn't want to stay in my room. I was always scared of this particular corner that you turned to face my bed too. I don't know why too, but I just felt like people would peek at me during the night. So this night was great. Like, I was sleeping in the living room and my mum's boyfriend offered to watch TV with me but he fell asleep as well, and I remember waking up to his obnoxious snoring, and I was like, well, crap. It was dark. The hallway was much darker. My living room is right next to my room, but you have to turn the corner to face where I was sleeping. And anyway, I think people could probably have a good idea of what happens next. It was probably about two or three. You know, the usual... I was watching that corner. With all my might, my heart was pounding and I was trying to face my fear. People tell you to be brave when you're 11 and close your eyes, but for some reason I just couldn't. When all of a sudden, these really pale green fingers start to literally wrap themselves over the corner of the doorframe. I'm honestly getting goosebumps even just thinking about it. It was a hand, but the fingers were just so, so long. 
They wrapped the entire doorframe, in fact. And it looked like a baggy cloak-like sleeve, but burlap was attached to it. I don't even know, but then they vanished, and anyway, that was pretty much the end of that encounter, so the next one happened a couple of years later. I remember this night like it was yesterday. It's a chilling one to think about, too. I remember having awful dreams and waking up to a scream in the middle of the night. My eyes opened wide as I was stuck in a position and I was remembering the dream a minute after and then started to get just cold sweats from fear. I had a dream that there was a white humanoid, very terrifying creature crouched in my closet and it just had the worst smile like it just had bad intentions. As I was recalling this, like I'm reliving it, I was so paralyzed with fear that all I can remember was just tears. Tears and tears until I could pull the blankets over my head. I fell asleep like that because, well, you know, screw it. But it doesn't end here. I was in high school having the whole depression thing going on. I was the only gay guy in my whole school and I wasn't doing so hot. I always had the arts that helped me express emotion though and I hadn't had any ghostly things or night terrors going on at this point. One day after school, I remember being so fed up and I just went into my room. I was being bullied and I felt so isolated and I was tearing up and not sad tears but tears of frustration, lonely and empty ones. I was kneeling near my closet after I had a good little cry and all of a sudden I heard a soft woman's voice say, Are you alright? It was so light and breathy and I said yes, but softly, in case someone came in and thought that I was crazy. But I definitely heard a voice come from the closet that day. Now, cut to me being of clubbing age at like maybe 20, and I really got into my art and started performing in nightlife. I loved costumes and makeup, so, you know, I became a gay clown, other known as a drag queen. Trust me, this relates. But one night, I was practicing my makeup because I had gigs and competitions. My mum was a great supporter, always wanted to see my work when I was done. I was just putting on eyelashes and saw my mum walk past my room into the living room, but she looked funny. It was just her profile that I could see. She was wearing a white nightgown with like that floral lace tie pattern on the collar, and it touched the floor. My mum has black hair, and I didn't really think anything of it because... I was just feeling myself. I wanted to show her, so I jumped up and started to walk out of my room. I said, Hey mom, what do you think? And before I could finish my sentence, I noticed nobody was in the living room. And it was dark besides one little light. So, obviously, that shook me pretty bad. Like, I'd never felt that shocked before. But maybe my mom just went into her room again really quickly. So I went to check on her and show her and I expected her to be up since the light was on but she was asleep in bed and she had Winnie the Pooh pajamas on, not a nightgown too and I woke her up though, you better believe that. I said, were you just in the living room? And she, obviously, had been sleepy. I had trouble getting to bed that night. I mean, to see something like that in the flesh, just like a person walk past my room and I didn't even second guess it. Whatever these things are, they're smart and know when they can and can't show themselves. I haven't seen that lady since, but it was definitely not my mum. 
and I hoped that the apartment was haunted and not me. I lived alone on the fourth floor of an on-campus apartment building when I was in college. Early one morning around 3am, I was awakened by a knock at my door. I got up, half asleep, and went to the door and peeked at the peephole. And a large guy was standing on the side of my door. I lived in the building for a while and knew my neighbours, but this guy was unfamiliar to me. I didn't open the door, but called out to the guy in the hall. What do you want? Can I help you? Yeah, uh, I need to use your phone, he answered. It's 3am, I told him. I know, but my car is broke down outside. I need to use your phone, the guy said. I was still bleary-eyed and foggy-headed, but something just seemed weird about this whole thing, so I refused to open the door. The guy got frustrated, saying that he was in need and I was not being neighborly or something. I still refused to open the door, and he proceeded to call me some choice names. Finally, after repeated refusals to open the door, he left and I just went back to bed. I honestly didn't think much of it until the next day when I was sitting in class going over the whole event in my head. It struck me as just very odd that this guy would choose my apartment to go to and ask for help. After all, I lived on the fourth floor in the middle of the hall. He didn't knock on any of the other doors, just mine. When he left my apartment... He didn't try any of my neighbors. He just left the building. I realized at that moment that he had likely targeted me. If I had lived on the first floor near the doors, I might have let it go, but on the fourth? I mean, he had gone up four flights of stairs and halfway down the hall just to ask to use my phone? Right. The thought put a cold lump in my stomach, though, especially when I remembered that there was actually a payphone in the lobby of the building. Even now I get chills whenever I think about that night and what might have happened if I had actually opened my door. I actually started doing that too a couple of times because I was a naive moron who always needed to be liked when I was that age. Fortunately for me, my gut instinct won out that night and I'm here to tell the tale. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. To preface this story, I've always been wary of this house. A couple of friends and I had actually broken into it before this family bought it and poked around. The stairs leading to the second story are on the far right side of the house, just inside of the front door. They lead to an open loft with a little divider to a smaller sitting area and a short hallway with a door on the side leading to a bathroom and then on the back leading to the bedroom on the far side of the house. That bedroom was situated directly over the master bedroom downstairs, which would become his mother's bedroom. In the loft area, just on the other side of the banister, is a small door that leads to the attic. I always got an uneasy feeling around it, even well after they moved in. So, I'll list a few things that led up to this final encounter too. So every night, sometime around 2 or 3, the attic door would open. 
my friend would often sleep on the sofa in the loft area, and there was a light on just inside the attic door that splashed light across his face, waking him up. When he was in his bedroom, the sound of the door slowly creaking open would often wake him up too, and it was always standing open in the morning too. One day, when he was downstairs in the kitchen, he saw a small white thing that he described as probably a foot and a half tall, white humanoid in his peripheral vision. When he looked over at it, it ran into the front room by the door. He didn't go looking for it, but his mother would later tell him that his father had seen the exact same thing and ran after it. He threw the couch to the side thinking that it was hidden behind it, but it was gone. There were no other exits in the room too. One day, his mother had a friend over and they played church music and prayed. It turns out that her room had all kinds of crazy stuff happening in it. Noises mostly, but the clothes in the closet would sway back and forth randomly too. That's probably what the praying was about. Because you see, my friend didn't want to tell his parents about what he was seeing. Because he assumed that they'd think that he was on drugs or something. His father didn't live with them and confided in his mother much later, but mostly he didn't experience much until well after they'd been living there. The mother didn't tell the others about her problems because she had finally found a good home for her kids and didn't want to scare them. So the praying starts, one assumes as a way to cleanse the house or something, or find some kind of divine protection. I don't really know, but that's what makes sense to me given all the facts. But anyhow... Right as they begin praying, the music stops and loud footsteps stomp across the second story leading to the bedroom and then the door slams incredibly loudly. The mother's friend left the house and she called the father from her car and after that, she was never in the house alone again. Soon after, she had to leave the house but didn't know her sons were seeing stuff too. She took the younger son with her but offered to let the older son keep the house for free and as a 19-year-old, he was like, hell yeah, despite the attic door being weird. Fast forward a year or so, and various things led him to invite a lot of people to stay with him rent-free. Eventually, though, all would leave for different reasons, and one night, he found himself in the house alone again. And sometime around 3am, he would be banging on our door, begging to let him stay with us. That was over 20 years ago, and this is what he told me yesterday about that night. So he was now sleeping in the master bedroom, his mum's old room. He had been experiencing the noises and the swinging clothes, and basically had just tried to ignore it. But that night, he heard the bedroom door open upstairs. Then, loud footsteps moved slowly towards the stairs. At this point, he thought someone might have broken in and was trying to figure out what to do, Whoever it was had stopped at the top of the stairs from what he could tell, so the front door was out. He said that he just considered making a run for the back door and he heard the stairs start to creak one by one like someone was walking down them and he basically froze. His bedroom door was open so he could see down the hall but not the stairs themselves and the next thing he knows there's a dark smoky presence in the hallway, mostly formless it moved towards the room along the wall, momentarily disappearing to the right of the door, and then next, a set of what he described as talons, like from a giant eagle, grasped the doorframe, then a second set below them. Then, a head appears, all smoky but almost white, with pure black where the eye should be. He said that when it saw him, it visibly frowned and he jumped through the window to get away. 
I can verify the timing and that he was indeed very scared. His window was broken out too and his bushes were all jacked up where he'd pushed through them. But quite frankly, I've never heard of anything like what he said that he saw before. Does anyone have any ideas? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This story happened years ago when I was six or seven, maybe eight, I think. So my mom and dad went to go visit family for a reunion, I think. It was located at a beachside park and there was a playground nearby. It was a fun day, with swimming and barbecues, but the day was coming to a close. My parents were chatting with the other adults, and I went to the playground because, well, I was bored. I didn't think to tell my parents, too, because I was a dumbass at that age. I assumed they'd seen me, so it was fine, right? As I was playing, a couple approached the playground. They were both Caucasian, with the lady having wavy red hair and some blemishes. She wore a faded overcoat and boots... The man was much taller than her and he had a bald head and was wearing a blue tracksuit. They both looked like middle-aged parents in their late 40s or something. I didn't care about them until they walked up to me. They then waved at me and said hi, so I said hi back. I didn't come down from the playset, but then they asked me, Hey, where are your friends? Me, being stupid, said that I didn't come with any and just came with my relatives. I pointed in the direction of the beach. They went far enough that I couldn't see them, probably a hundred feet or so away. The couple then tried to make small talk about stuff I liked, where I lived, my home phone number, all red flags that I'd run from today, but I was blind to them back then. But thank whoever's out there too that I didn't remember my home phone or address back then, then only answered questions about the things that I liked. I started coming down the playset too when the lady of the couple asked that question. The question that I'll always remember. We can be your friends, you know. Don't you want a friend who'll never let you go? My response wasn't the most normal to the question. And instead of screaming for help, I hopped down the other side of the playset towards my parents and called for them to come over. I believe I called out, Mama, Papa, look, I made some new friends. Now, for the past seven or so minutes, I guess, my parents and relatives were looking for me frantically since I'd wandered off. When I called for my parents, my mum heard and started to run over. I'm guessing that she saw the couple. The couple looked at each other for half a second, realized my dumbass was not worth it, and just ran off towards the parking lot. My mum then came to me and gave me a big hug. 
She then asked what happened and I told her about the friends that I'd made, what we talked about and how I was sad that they ran off. My mum just sighed and called the cops and my mum told them about what happened and they asked me what the couple looked like. Being a kid at the time, my descriptions were vague and basic. The cops left and we decided to pack up and then just drive home. On the way home, my mum gave the stranger danger talk to me and this time I actually listened. I don't know if they were ever caught. I hope they were for the sake of dumb kids everywhere like me. Or that at least this deterred them from nabbing kids ever again. Because they were almost caught. I'm really not sure where to start with this because there's just so much that has happened. I'll try and clarify as best as I can without making this too long, but I should first say that I've always been sensitive to these kinds of things, so it's something that's hard to explain without sounding, well, absolutely crazy. I picked up on things sometimes. It's only ever a feeling or a physical response to a place or a person. There is a long history of abuse over many generations in my family's home and it caused a lot of really horrible experiences, both paranormal and non-paranormal too. It was just a very old-fashioned family that held horrid ideals of how women are treated. I think a part of my past and maybe the environment has allowed me to pick up on subtle changes in the air too. But what I mean is that I pick up on the emotional state around me very easy. I could just tell when my father came home because of how heavy and oppressive the house felt. I could tell when I needed to hide or stay outside most of the time because it would feel like the air was full of well, hot electric pins maybe that would just put you on edge. You could tell when he was mad before you even saw or heard him. It was like you're waiting for something to fall and shatter at any second and nothing good will come of it. There was a lot of death and not just in the home but the entire town so there was no getting away from it until I was much older. So I grew up in an old mining town that didn't become a ghost town after the gold rush. I'm not going to give away too much, but the big mine is still in operation today, but most of all the others are now closed. The part of the town that I lived in was one of the original buildings from when it was first built, a lot of which is in native territories too. There are some homes in my old neighborhood that are confirmed to be built on old burial grounds and some that are built before there was a town even. There was also a lot of death from TB, along with all the other stuff. My family is also part of some of the first miners that worked there during its open and who still live in this town. We have had five generations in this home until just recently, when it was put on the market by my parents and, hopefully, is never bought. Honestly, I hope the place burns to the ground before anyone else lives there, and I'm horrified at the thought of someone else staying there. If I had the money, I would buy it and keep it empty forever. Like I said, it's hard to start somewhere with just so much going on, so I'll start with the very first memory that I have of anything paranormal when I was four years old. I woke up to a woman in my room singing to me like she did every night. She would sing to me in this beautiful language that I had never heard before. Except this was in the morning and it seemed sad and like something was wrong. For some reason, I had this feeling like I had to follow her, and I did. Side note too, all the rooms connect to the open living room or kitchen as it was heated by the stove and cooled by the root cellar that was connected to the kitchen pantry. It was like a giant rectangle separated from the central point being the kitchen directly in the center left of the building and the front door being bottom left. 
So when we reached the kitchen living room, she waved and smiled like she was about to leave. The thing is too is that I thought that she was as real as any normal person. I don't remember her actually saying anything to me in English or Spanish. I was in a multi-language home and we spoke it often. I just remember that she loved me so much and was always there for me when bad things happened. She was always there to see me to sleep and was there when I was scared. I was so upset that I started crying and asked her not to leave. I remember to this day the look on her face after 30 years too. She smiled her sad smile and then turned to the door and instead of walking out of the door, she just walked out the wall where the door used to be before the additional rooms were added on which I didn't know about until I was in my 20s. I never did see her again, and I never heard her again singing after that too. I still get really sad sometimes thinking about that morning. I don't know where she went, but I hope that I get to see her again someday. My mother found me after a while. I was still crying. I knew that it would be bad to tell her the truth, so I never told her about what happened and probably never will. But it was after that day when all the really bad things just started to happen, little by little. It was like a small hole that appeared in our home and slowly things were just leaking through. My uncle became so very sick shortly after this and died in one of the rooms that I slept in. We switched rooms every few years. I was still young but I remember him very clearly when he died. It was a very traumatic death and was not peaceful. I don't remember everything from that time, but I remember him coughing up blood and trying to pretend like everything was fine. I just remember that I woke up one morning and Grandma had told me that he had passed in the night and was already with the morticians. After this point, he was seen a lot by family and visitors too. Grandma was heard on more than one occasion crying and telling him to move on and that he was supposed to be in heaven. I remember her telling him, you'll make the angels cry if you don't move on, on a regular basis. Maybe a few months after he passed, I moved into his room and we were very, very poor, so I had no choice but to take the bed that he passed in or sleep on the floor, and that's very bad because of the cold. So the first night I was in there after moving back, I remember not being able to sleep because of the shadow in the room that just wouldn't let me sleep. It wasn't supposed to be there and was something new that I was really scared about. It wasn't my uncle and I at some point finally fell asleep and was woken by me being dropped onto my bed from at least a foot or more. It was enough of a height that I bounced more than once. I opened my eyes and saw this black stuff just all around me. It wasn't like smoke but moved exactly like it. But it was just black like the absence of light. I remember jumping from the bed too scared to do anything but watch it disappear into the center of my mattress. I went and slept with my brother in his cot and then on the floor in his room when he became too big. I never slept in that room again after that and from then on I could always feel this evil darkness watching me every time I walked past that room. I could never look into the doorway anymore. It's like when someone is just so oppressive that you can't help but look at the floor and don't dare look them in the eye. It sometimes felt like it would dare you to look even. Sometimes it threw things and it would rush you and scream things. There were many nights where dishes were thrown from the kitchen and into a room, sometimes mine and sometimes the other kids' rooms. Only grandma's room and the bathroom had doors, so it soon became a rule that nothing could be left on the countertops and all cupboards were locked with front door latches. 
the ones that would hook and latch closed and could not be opened without a bit of effort. The fridge was also locked for some reason. We would wake up to milk or other things being thrown into the living rooms and in the bedrooms. It got so bad, in fact, that Grandma had the priest come over every weekend up until she was too old and sick and was taken to a nursing facility. When he stopped coming and Grandma passed, it was like a dam burst and everything just went completely crazy. Now, I'm not religious at all, but I feel that that priest was stopping something really bad that now had full control again. There were far more things being broken, vases and cups mostly, and when he stopped coming, it seemed like there was just more traffic, and it surrounded the cellar and the kitchen pantry. This is getting long, and there's still so much more that I haven't even touched on. I'll post later and try to tell one or two more stories at a time. I'll answer as many questions as you guys have in the comments section, and thank you guys for listening. It's hard talking about this because, well... I know that none of it seems real. There was a lot that happened there and some of it I don't think I'll ever be able to talk about because there's just some things that you can't put into words. Everything sounds fake, even to me, but had there not been so many witnesses in my family, I wouldn't believe it was real and that I was just crazy or was having hallucinations or something like that. I'll stop here for the night, but I'll be back. The building that I used to work in had two security guards, a harmless old guy and a younger guy my age who was not so harmless. Over time, he became friendly and he asked me on a date. I said yes. I had already mentioned that I was moving out of country soon, so obviously nothing will come of it, but hey, if he wants to come and buy me dinner, why not? Mistake one, though, was giving him my address to pick me up. I mean, he's security at work and I'm leaving the country soon, so it all seemed like a small risk. I told office mates that I agreed to dinner with him, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? He arrives on time with two dozen roses. He then tells me that he's bought a brand new suit and had his car detailed for the occasion. Yeah, it was a bit much, but so far he seems nice and harmless. So I thank him, say that I forgot something and I'll be right back. I wasn't about to let him in to put the roses in water or anything. But we get to dinner at a very nice restaurant. We've not even had our drink order taken and he drops this on me. He is a 27-year-old virgin who has never even kissed anyone. This is his first date and he's super nervous. And I mean, really dude? You know who else is really nervous now? This chick here. What am I supposed to do with that nugget of info? So, needless to say, dinner was very awkward. I did my best to be polite and kind, but it just got weirder. At the end of the night, he lunged for my face and stuck his tongue in and out of my mouth. I was not expecting that. But hey, he's now kissed a real live girl and had his first date, so good for him I suppose. Not looking forward to breaking it to him later that I'm really not interested and also moving, but why rain on his parade then? But before I could break it to him, it got really weird. Like, how dare you not return my call the next day or the day after? And not that it's his business, but I spent that Saturday and Sunday visiting family. I come home to a full box of voice messages, the last of which was angry. And when I got to work on Monday, I found a lovely letter at my desk. 
It basically said that he knew where I lived, what car I drove, and some other info showing that he'd been taking notes of my coming and going, why wasn't I home that weekend and whatnot, which obviously was pretty creepy. And this is why you're single, dude. He got angry and stalkery. I'd see him out on occasion when I wasn't working and... In the end, I just said screw this and gave early notice and I just got the heck out of there. I wish that I could tell you too that moving country was enough, but no. He somehow found me online. I don't use my real name because of work, but he proceeded to harass me online, followed friends to find me and whatnot, and the dude is acting really aggressive. I hope that I can shake this guy soon because... This seems to be taking a turn for the worse. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. In 2012, I was just a regular college kid. I'd had a couple of paranormal experiences, but despite this, I had a skeptical attitude toward the paranormal. But then I found out that I was pregnant. My boyfriend and I decided to get married and started looking for a place to live. Amazingly, we found a duplex just a block from my parents' house that allowed dogs and was super cheap. If you've ever watched a haunting, then you probably know where this is going but at the time, we were just relieved to find a place that we could afford. The only strange thing was how many people had quickly moved in and out of this particular unit, while the same guy had lived downstairs for over a decade. We had only lived there for a couple of weeks when I asked my husband if he'd moved something of mine. When he said no, I jokingly said, maybe we have a ghost. And my husband froze. I asked him what was wrong and he said that he hadn't wanted to scare me but the other night while we were getting down and dirty he looked up to see what looked like a man standing in the other room. He said that he'd gotten up to find no one there. I was a little creeped out by this but since I hadn't seen anything I told myself that it was all in his head. The next few months were busy with getting ready for the baby and we didn't notice any activity. In October, our son was born and we were too busy adjusting to parenthood to think about ghosts. My iPod went missing, but we assumed that it had just been stolen. On Christmas morning, I put the baby on our bed and went to help my husband with breakfast. We heard the baby cry and both rushed back in to check on him. He was an extremely fussy baby who never stopped crying on his own. So we were shocked when he suddenly just stopped crying. We were both standing in the doorway and watched in awe as we saw him interacting with something that we couldn't see. He was looking at something and then started laughing and reaching toward it. We watched this go on for a couple of minutes too. Around this same time, we had to get a new mattress. When we took the old one off, we found my stolen iPod 
in the middle of the box spring. I still can't think of any explanation for how it even got there. Weird things started happening more often after this too. I became terrified to be home alone. Because once, while I was home alone, I was sitting in the living room when a rock was thrown at me. And now, I checked everywhere, but I swear to you that there was nobody there. Once, my ghostly hand reached around the doorframe too. As my son got older, he started to talk about someone named Boo as well. Someone even asked him who he lived with, and he replied, Mama, Daddy, Papa, and Boo. Sometimes I'd even see him try to hand toys to someone that I couldn't see and then get upset when the toys fell to the ground. On one occasion I was giving him a bath and he looked up and excitedly exclaimed boo while pointing up. I stood up trying to see what he was pointing at only to find nothing but a pocket of cold ice air in the otherwise steamy bathroom. Things would constantly go missing too in that house only to show up in places that we'd already looked. It drives us crazy and added to our already strained relationship. We started to argue constantly and my husband became paranoid and accused me of all sorts of things. This house had a basement too and we kept our washer and dryer down there. It always creeped me out so I liked to have our dog keep me company when I did the laundry. And one night I was putting clothes in the dryer when I heard my dog growl. I looked up to see him growling at the dark corner of the basement when... All of a sudden, he was knocked backwards and yelps. He gets up and runs, whimpering up the stairs, and I ran after him. My son and I moved out of that house when my husband and I decided to get divorced. Thankfully, we haven't experienced any paranormal activity where we live now. Interestingly though, after my ex moved out of that house, our relationship just improved a lot. We went from barely speaking to now being friends and successfully co-parenting. I still scratch my head at some of the things that happened in that house, but I'm sure glad that we're no longer living there. This is pretty recent and happened last Friday, and it's still rattling about in my assistant's mind and I can't blame her. Obviously, I'm still thinking about it as well. We have a client who we set up with one of our more seasoned caregivers, considering it didn't take long to realize that she needs more help than most. This client is a, an overall sweetheart, really. She's a pianist with a rich history. My favorite story of hers is how she hitched a ride across country to go see Jimi Hendrix live in CA. However, she has the kind of anxiety that's difficult to handle for some. The kind that leads to four hour-long calls in a day of panicked sobs and screams because she wasn't sure when she could get the soap. In the past month, she's had the fire and the police department visit her roughly nine times as well. Not because she fell or was hurt either, but because she needed reassurance. Apartment management was not happy about this, obviously, and this client refuses to even entertain the idea of assisted living. So, sirens it is. Because of this, I and my assistant have been keeping a close watch on the client through the reports our caregiver types up in her documentation at the end of a shift. And we noticed that things seemed to be getting worse for the clients, mentally. I feared Alzheimer's. One report read of how the client would complain about a blind man living in her apartment with her. She was upset because, well, she had not agreed to share her apartment. I remember thinking that this was the mark of the end. She was just getting worse. 
Last Friday, my assistant was covering the shift for this client's caregiver since the caregiver was out of town. I was already home on call when I got a call from my assistant. Hey, sorry to bother you, but I got a question if you have a minute. Uh, sure, go for it, I said. So I'm at the client's house and she buzzed me in, right? But when I got to the apartment and knocked on the door, no one answered. It's locked and totally silent. What do you want me to do? That kicked me in the gut. I was positive that she fell. The few times that I went over there and knocked on the door, she'd have a panic and scream on the other side for me to just hold on a damn second. Okay, go find the landlord and have them get maintenance to let you in. She might have fell. Uh, the main office is empty, but I'll look around for them. Alright, call me back with an update though. If you don't find them, we're gonna have to call 911 to be safe. My hope was that she just fell back asleep or was so panicked that she couldn't bring herself to the door. Anything but a fall. An hour or so passed when my assistant finally called me back with an update. It was a fall. She was found in a bathroom, pantless and covered in dry hard feces. My assistant found her in a state of delirium. She didn't know where she was, who she was. The paramedics were called immediately. According to them, judging by the state that she was in and how old the feces were, she'd been down there for a few days. They told my assistant that had the client not been found, she would have been dead the very next day. My assistant offered to clean the mess. Crap was everywhere in the bathroom, but the apartment management had people coming in to take care of it. I couldn't remember the details of that part, but what I can't seem to forget is what my assistant told me that she did next. She was confused. She was wondering how she was buzzed in. To buzz someone in, you need to enter the connected phone and press zero. But there were no phones near the client. She listened to the other line ring for a good 15 to 30 seconds before she was buzzed in. But how? I asked her if management let her up. Sometimes they take pity on us and just ring us in. But no, they weren't in the building. She said they were literally just walking in as I was walking on the elevator on the first floor to find them. She told me she found the phones though, all three of them, lined up on an end table in the client's living room next to the client's favorite chair. My guess is that it must have just been a glitch in the tech. My assistant thinks that it was fate pulling strings, a higher power that led her in that day. We've discussed it every day since. My assistant told me that she hasn't stopped thinking about it since it happened, and she's baffled as to how she even got in, even with her beliefs. I don't care for a why anymore in this instant. The client is in recovery, and I accept and I'm grateful for that. And that's the end of this story. She is alive. About a year ago, I was working at a local credit union as a call center rep. Basically, my job was to answer phone calls that came from the outside and either perform a banking service over the phone after asking a series of identifying questions, or direct the calls to where they needed to go. I wasn't really fond of the job, as it came to be incredibly tedious, and more often than you would think, there were definitely creepers on the other line looking to entertain themselves, if you know what I mean. But I'll tell you just for context too, that though being a call center rep sounds easy, it's not usually, especially when working for a financial institution. 
you're expected to identify a person in very particular manners, over the phone perfectly each time, and you take about 80 to 100 calls a day. You're expected to pretty much know every answer possible with little to no help from management or other departments, even if the questions asked had nothing to do with the call center department's skill set. Often, too, you'll handle requests from members that can potentially put accounts at risk, so you need to be diligent and on your toes on every single call. It's also important, too, that I note that at the call center I worked at, it was not accessible to the public, ever. We had to swipe special badges to get in and out of the building, and there were multiple door points that you had to enter or leave the building through. But anyway, one particular winter day, I had been scheduled 11am to 7.45pm. It was a long and grueling shift, especially because most phone calls came in between those hours. The lucky ones would have left for the day at about 4.30pm, just when the calls were beginning to pick up. I had made it through all of my shift with little to no issues, other than the usual nonsensical calls, save for some incredibly stressful wire transfers that I had to make over the phone. 7.25pm rolled around just as scheduled and I was getting ready to place myself in the research auxiliary to signal that I was done with my calls for the evening when my phone rang. Rolling my eyes, I picked up the call hesitantly and as soon as I hit the green answer button, I remember feeling my stomach drop with regret, like I should have just let it go to the answering service or something. On the other end, I was immediately met with the sound of heavy breathing. I remember hearing my pre-recorded greeting play over my headset. Hello, thank you for calling the contact center. This is Brit, with whom do I have the pleasure of speaking with today? And as soon as my recorded greeting ended, I was hit with rapid-fire questions by a man. At first, they were normal run-of-the-mill banking questions. How much is in my checking account? Did this bill come out of the account today? Is my payroll scheduled to come into my account on Friday? I answer all of his simple questions as quickly and politely as possible, but then the questions just got weird. Like, what is the interest rate on my checking account? If you know anything about finance, you know that the interest you accrue on your checking is pretty much slim to none, pennies a month if that. So it definitely was not a question that I was ever asked, even after working there full time for a year at this point. Taken aback by the question though, I gave him the answer. There was a long pause and the next questions he asked still haunt me to this day because I have no idea why he would possibly need to know these things. What is the temperature right now? Outside, I asked. No, of the room you're in right now. To which I respond, um, I'm not sure, standard room temperature? He made an annoyed sound and then asked another invasive question. Where are you located? Are you located on and he named the correct road the call center was actually on. And at this point, I was definitely feeling a little bit freaked out. I'm a paranoid person in general, but these questions, they just didn't feel right. I tried to convince myself that he could just be maybe multitasking or even under the influence or something. My paranoid self tried to professionally throw him off the trail that I suspected that he could be on. Uh, yeah, that's where the call center is located, but it's not accessible to the public. If you'd like, I can direct you to the closest branch to you based on your address. He ignored me and asked me this last question. What time do you employees leave the building you're in? I replied, we stopped taking calls around 7.30pm, but I can't actually tell you what time the employees leave. Sorry. 
He ignored my answer and began asking descriptive questions rapid fire, like, how tall are you, how old are you, what's your last name? Startled, I began to say that I couldn't list that information for security purposes, but before I could get my last word out, he just disconnected the call. I remember shutting down my system and telling my cubicle neighbor about the conversation and just explaining that it felt off. Unfortunately, my coworker dismissed what I had to say as just another loony member of the bank, and we giggled a little bit about it, but I was still panicked and had trouble catching my breath. As typically, we are required to stay another 15 minutes to help managers close shop if necessary, I used that time to go to the restroom and take a breath as I still didn't feel put at ease. When I went back to my desk to get my things to leave, my parking lot buddy was waiting for me. Luckily, we had a bit of a buddy system in place as it was pretty much pitch black outside and my job had one mere lamppost that barely lit the parking lot. My co-worker and I headed for the door. Between the outside of our area that the call center was on, there are five sets of secure doors. It sounds excessive, but it's because financial institutions need to be incredibly secure, especially the center point of the bank. The call center was where everything was kept, which was again why the public was not allowed inside. I was just about to swipe my badge through the last set of doors and step outside when one of my supervisors came running behind us and slammed into me. Startled, my co-worker asked him what he was doing. He blocked the door with his body, not allowing my co-worker or I to leave. With a frantic look in his eyes, he said, Do not leave. We just received a call from the police that there's a man in tattered clothes walking around the building with a knife looking into the windows. I have them on the line and they'll tell me when it's safe. I don't remember saying anything else but bringing up the call to my co-worker and saying that I knew something just didn't feel right. After a solid 45 minutes of waiting for the coast to be clear, the suspect was taken into custody by police. On the way to my car, I walked by the police car that held him, and I could clearly see him through the window as the police car windows weren't tinted. I don't think I'll ever forget the look on his face too as I passed him because he gave me the creepiest grin. His eyes were just so dead and it was as if his mouth was trying to make up for the lack of emotion his eyes had. It still gives me chills to this day just thinking about it. The next day, I talked to the manager who had frantically stopped us from leaving the night before, and he told me that the guy had been arrested with the intent of kidnapping. Basically, when the police looked into the guy's background, he had said that the bank that I was working for had repossessed his car and his house and his wife had left him as a result. He was charged with the intent of kidnapping because the cops found questionable items on him when he was arrested. In the trunk of his car were three bundles of rope, a box of medical grade gloves, a hacksaw, and duct tape, which was parked in the back lot of the call center. He was also wielding a six-inch knife when he was arrested. Reflecting on it a bit, I don't think he was directly intending on coming after me specifically, but it sounds as though he was looking for any call center employee to take hostage and who knows what else. Immediately after this, I brought the weird phone call to my management, the risk mitigation department, and the security team too. Unfortunately, the call wasn't really taken seriously by my job though. I don't even think they looked into the call. Even though I feel in my gut my phone call and this situation were definitely connected, I wonder a lot about what would have happened if the police hadn't been tipped off about this guy running around the building with all those items in his possession. I still have a lot of unanswered questions, but... I'll never forget the bad gut feeling that I got that day. 
It's important to listen to those, no matter how ridiculous they can seem at the time. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you, mates, in the next one. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.